Hi, everybody, and welcome to John Hennigan's Old Time Radio Show. So glad you could join us. It's going to be really terrific. we got some really wacky, zany old records for you tonight. Boy, oh boy. It's, it's going to be a swell time. <laughs> It's July 26, 2017. You're listening to John's Old Time Radio Show with our two special guests, Robert Crum and Tony Baldwin, here in an undisclosed location of uh, Robert Crum's record room. And, uh, yes. <coughs> gentlemen, say hello to the people out there. Undisclosed location. We have to keep the peasants at arm's length. Yeah. And an undisclosed hello from me. That's Tony. The distinguished Mr. Tony Baldwin. Yeah, it's very guest. distinguished. He's going to give us piano critiques today. That's right. He's a great piano player. We decided, to, uh, we decided to do a theme of piano records tonight because of our guest, who's a great piano player in his own right. Right. Mr. Baldwin. Yes, he is. So, Tony, that was uh, that last record I just played was called En Voyage et Désir by Phil Chartier, who is a French-Canadian piano player. It was probably recorded in the early 40s. What do you think of that record? Well, I was surprised. I've never heard of Mr. Chartier ever in my life before. Yeah. Uh, but he seems to be hip to what's going on a little bit further south from him. Um, he, he sounds like a completely contemporary piano player, uh, a good barroom, nay, even a sort of salon-type, ragtime, come stride pianist. Um, yeah, I, I endorse him. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's his only piano record. He made some accordion records, like in the typical Quebecois style. 
That's his only piano record. Well, I can imagine that if he played a regular kind of chromatic accordion, it was because he was a pianist, because if he played button accordion like most of the musette guys, yeah. um, that might have been more difficult. But that seems uh, pretty logical to me. I think that the Quebecois guys mostly played button accordions, I believe. I believe so, I'm not sure. Hmm. The kind of simple accordion style, the Quebecois style. So this is the only French-Canadian piano record I've ever heard. <laughs> did, did you say who that was? Phil Chartier. Yeah. Let's take a look at that. <clears throat> great, great. And also Eden Brower has just joined us. Hi. But Eden is kind of like an, uh, a nymph. She flits about and she'll suddenly you'll look over where she was sitting and she'll be gone, silently. Dis <laughs> dis I'm just weighing myself obsessively. <laughs> Eden is everywhere. Eden will yes. periodically have to go away herself again during the program. Yeah, definitely. I tried to buy sorbet eight times, but they ignored me because I'm American. Really? Yeah, they just wouldn't wait on me. Huh. <sighs> they really don't like you, huh? Well, you know, like dudes in the Freemasons. I know his secret. Who are you guys listening to? We're doing a show on a piano. Cool. Piano record. You should hear the music going out there now. Buffalo Springfield, Gary Jewell, Kama Creek, that song. Really? Yeah, it's funny. I got caught up in listening to that. They love it. I think there's probably a Barry Manilow medley coming up soon, I would imagine. <laughs> they're doing like rock and alternative songs, and everyone's just so into it. But <laughs> Of course they are. I don't know if they understand what the song's about, and <laughs> the English isn't exactly right, you know, but no. I, I couldn't sing in French, so... I shouldn't talk. Because those people out there, they're just culturally lost. <laughs> <laughs> I you, said that. I said that. You're, well, you stood there In and said In between songs, to I was like, culturally lost. You're all culturally lost. Then I didn't get my sorbet, so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why. Okay, speaking of Canadians. Yeah, what do we have next? Let's hear Vera Gilleroff. Whoa! Oh, she's Hell Vera. yeah! She's one of the best ever. One of the best piano players that ever recorded. She was only 20 years old when she made this record. She really? I didn't realize. Is that both her records are made when she's 20? She made three 78s in 1926. Oh, I there was only two. Three. Six sides. And then she was not heard from again until 1937. Hmm. And she made a few more records. And then she never recorded again after that. What a shame. Do you know anything about her? Did she have a yeah, career? Yeah, there's a little short biography of her. She had a sort of a career as a piano player in the... In Canada, she she started as a silent movie piano player, you know, playing movie houses, mm -hmm. and then I guess she played in you know bars and stuff, you know. But she's a she's a pounder. She's like very uh, masculine approach. Yeah, one of the best ever. There's nothing like you know delicate about her. Oh yeah, she's incredible. This is you one have of the, them all. I have all three of the. Oh. The. the uh, 1926 records. I've never heard the 1937 ones. I don't know what they're like, but uh, I have, and they're a bit more polite. I would think I would think yeah that she yeah. would have been because they were done in London. In 1937, you know, she'd learned to sound more sophisticated and everything. I'm mm. sure, but this period, she's young and she's rough and, and ready. And and what song is this we're going to hear? Uh, this is called Calico Rag. Oh, wow, that's great. It's, it's unbelievable. Thank you. 
That's just totally unbelievable. That's <sighs> piano playing. Tony, what do you have to say about that? Yeah. Well, I, I seem to remember that I th I turned you on to Vera Gilroy. Yes, you did. You asked did me you? like 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah, you did. Wow. Because I had one record on the Apex label. Yeah. And that's the still, still the only record I have of Vera because I mean, she was only issued in Canada. Well, that that one I had, that Calico Rag is on the American Pathé label. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what so I have. They're on right. American ah, okay. Pathé, but they're obscure. They're hard to find. But I must thank my friend Tomiz Jardim, Jardim, who lives in Canada, who, you know, I, I, he got me that record. Hmm. He just well, had I, a baby I, recently. Congratulations. I mean, she she is unique because she's got that muscular thing. Yeah. And also, you know, from a musician's point of view, also, she's she's working at a very high tempo in something like that. Yeah. Yes. And she doesn't shift. I mean, no, there, you can just tell it's moments when, when she does a little those little breaks. Yeah. There's a slight acceleration in the little breaks, mm -hmm. but most of the time the tempo is absolutely solid. When <laughs> The thing is, the problem with most piano, two-fisted piano players, is how to keep the tempo. Yeah. Because there's so much going on, the temptation is to race all the time. Mm -hmm. Sure. And she doesn't race. She wow. keeps it right there. And that alone is amazing for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she never drops a note. Jesus. Wow. No, she sounds like it's completely effortless, you know. Like, but now, if you look on YouTube... You can see these phenomenal videos of teenage girls playing ragtime piano, like 14, 15-year-old girls just pounding out ragtime piano. So it's, it's like a, a, seems to be a kind of savant thing that some girls have that they can just learn to pound the piano somehow without, you know, just this one video I saw, this girl, this 14-year-old girl, she has her face is a complete blank, it's just pounding out some incredible ragtime thing. I, w I would suggest, however, that usually those girls are encouraged to perform in very much a classical yeah, yeah, sure, mode. Sure. So it's a learnt performance. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, that there is actually not very much personal No, no, it's quite mechanical. It. It's, it's, it's pretty mechanical, it's pretty yeah. muscular, and so on. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, when it, when it comes to uh, purely scored music, that is, say, Scott Joplin, um, sure. other sure. other people of that era. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're doing fine. Yeah, yeah. But when it comes to anything that requires a little bit more personal intuition, personal investment, it's not so impressive. Yeah, sure. I'm sure that's true. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. It's hard to say about Vera. You know, I don't know if she's. Uh, just learned that by mechanically or not, I don't know. Well, I, I'd say that she's got a, a bit of both because she clearly can read a score. She'd have to. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, she's worked in the movies. She has to. Uh -huh. On the other hand, having been working in movie houses, she has to be able to adjust whatever she's doing to what's happening on the screen. Uh -huh. you know, if it's mm -hmm. sentimental, whether it's dramatic... You have to be able to do that instantaneously that's right. in, in a way that's convincing to the people in the, in the theater. Or that the people in the theater don't notice that the, what's going on in the piano. They just, no. It's kind of in the background. <laughs> so I would suggest, actually, she's got the best of both worlds. I said, I, from from my, my reckoning, she is a classically trained pianist who has an awareness of current techniques, jazz techniques, yeah. uh, cinema techniques, yeah, uh, she's got it all. I think. Of course, she was in the right time at the right, you know, nineteen twenty-six to to have all those things together. Mm. You know, piano was all over the place in those days. You know, pianos were everywhere, and there's like hundreds of great piano players in that period that that recorded. God knows how many didn't record. It was a golden age of piano playing. Yeah. Let's hear yeah, another. You can only imagine, right? What was out there? What do you got for let's us? Let's play next? another Vera Gilleroff record. Whoa. Okay, what are you going to play next? Play a cup of coffee, a sandwich, and you. Yeah, I don't have this one, but you played it for me. It's phenomenal. I love the tune. Yeah, me this too. is one of those songs that I really I mean, heard from Bugs records? Bunny. I was too busy collecting Benny Goodman. Well, uh, these these records actually turn up in a. 
They they go for pretty cheap. If you, if you I know. imagine because nobody can under, nobody interested even. No, they're not looking for this stuff, which is tragic, but good for us, I guess. Yeah, the heck with them. Yeah, if you don't know what. I mean, I, I love it. I mean, uh, my whole collection is based on things that nobody else likes. <laughs> <laughs> really, I mean, and I've discovered the most extraordinary things as a result of being not financially cashed up, right? And also, you know, you, you go to the local auction room, and there was a stack of records, and you listen to them, and you think, "Oh, that's shit," but that's quite good. But I don't know what it is. Let's find out more about that. You know, and that, right, right. that, that was the thing. yeah, that's right. Okay. Here we go. Certainly not afraid of the piano. No. Yeah. But I, I think what you have to bear in mind is that, you know, there's a lot of romantic 19th century classical music that was pretty muscular. And from, you oh, know, yeah. from which that kind of style is derived. Yeah. And, and uh, nobody said then, oh, you know, you're, you're a bit butch or, you know, oh. yeah. Huh. Uh, it was one outlet for women, oh. you know, I mean, mm. one doesn't want to go down some sort of total feminist road here, but um, there were things that obviously women could do and women couldn't do, mm -hmm. according to the precepts of the yeah, time. Yeah, they could play the piano. They could play in musical instruments, and the piano was a pretty muscular musical instrument, mm. and particularly if you want to play like Liszt and Chopin, that's pretty muscular. Yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, and I'd huh. say that that's really an extension of that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Huh. Um, huh. Or, or at least that's part of it. Mm. It doesn't totally explain it because obviously there's a barum thing going on as well. As a <laughs> yeah, like you say that you were saying earlier, they had to pound it out just to be heard in a noisy barroom where yeah. men are shouting at each other, and you know. But I mean, I, I would say that that's it's not completely unexpected. 
I guess I, you know, people wouldn't say, "Oh, Vera, that's not you're not being very feminine by the way you're pounding that piano." I guess nobody would have criticized her people that way. Slapped her on the back and given another beer. I think. <laughs> it's funny because when you see photos of her, she's quite like thin and elegant looking. In mm -hmm. fact, <laughs> yeah, but in a way, we really don't know how many performers there were like her. No, nope. no way to know. I mean, no, nope. there could have been. You know, it's just so many. Could be mere chance that she got recorded. Yeah, yeah, because it seems like uh, female musicians in general were really under-recorded in, in these early sessions. I mean, at least when you look at like photos of old family mm -hmm. bands or like stuff like that. There's oh, not always, but there's regularly females in those photos. But and usually the piano you, player. Usually, yeah. And then you look at like what got recorded, and you know, there's very few. There's, you know, of course, of course, singers, but I mean, like, you know, playing instruments. Well, there were definitely fewer women instrumentalists in the music business because it involved right, traveling. They, and, right, a lot of them were staying and, at home. Yeah. yeah, it was a kind of a not quite respectable business to be in for a woman, you know. No. I think also that if you're talking about public places, there are a limited amount of public places for women to perform in. Because, That's I mean, right. I, I kind of, you know, I jokingly talked about you know pubs and bars but actually most women women would not have any opportunity to play in a pub and a bar let alone drink there and of That's course right. like you know the, and then there was also the you know very common piano gig was in uh, whorehouses you know yep. certainly and, and that, that would usually be a man right of course yeah. sometimes a gay man cool if the whores were all playing the piano well, that, that's true too. I mean, there are. And taking yeah. But I just mean, it, 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 from like home to home, we don't know how many women were playing piano like that. No. But I think, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I follow the your idea of the, the movie house because you know, quite definitely she must have had movie house experience. I mean, I don't know whether you have documentary. Well, I, there's a biography of her that I found somewhere that said that she played in movie houses, silent movies. I mean, because that would be the, the logical outlet, as far as I'm concerned. Because otherwise, you know, if you're, if you're doing local or you know, suburban stuff, where's it going to be? It's not going to be in a bar for a young woman, a 20-year-old young woman playing piano in a bar. No, that doesn't really happen. Not in likely, that, that no. Period. no. Uh, so I, I think the movie house is probably the catalyst. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, probably so. What do you got for us next? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Did I... You see, last time I was here, I played for you that Oliver Brown record, O-U-W. Did we record that? Yes. We did, okay. Yeah. I think of what else. I pulled that. Let's play Another record by some women piano players. Okay. What do you got there? What's the label? It's a Victor. Is this the Scheller family? This is an um, American woman, Pauline Alpert. Oh. It's her oh. only record. They made 1927 of the tune Magnolia, which is a great oh, tune. Oh, I love that Herb tune. Herb Alpert's uh, mom. Yeah. Herb Alpert's mom? No. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> i got to get a picture of the Pauline one. Alpert. Maybe Mickey Alpert's wife. <laughs> the only version I've ever heard of this is uh, Cliff Edwards. It's a great record too, Cliff. Yeah. But this 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 woman's a whiz too. She's really amazing. Uh, do we know? Is this, this a New York recording? Camden, uh, West Coast? I what? think it's I think West so. Coast. Ah, it has that little circle above the. Door. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Thank you. 
Love that. Love that. Great. That, that to, to me, that, that is a, a very tightly trained classical musician. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, someone who, I mean, you know, she's hip, but you know, she's 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 been schooled by somebody really. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's got really good schooling. Yeah. You know, everything like the dynamics, the touch, uh-huh. uh, her uh-huh. sensibility. Huh. Yeah. I mean, she she's obviously you know because she's a young person, she's hip to what's going around her. But to me, that is a compositely well-trained classical musician. Huh. Really beautiful playing. Yeah, yeah, that that was fun in the twenties. You know, that's fine. It's, cause it's like yeah. such you know, play those popular tunes in that style. It's great. But I mean, I mean, even even the jazziest guys tend to have good training. You know, um, you know, like Earl Hines. People like that in the twenties who are lauded as jazz pioneers, they are, they are essentially classical pianists who are turning their attention to jazz. Hmm. Earl Hines, classically yes. trained. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Huh. Yeah. He couldn't do what he did without <coughs> without have some some sort of classical training. I suppose you just have to understand all those uh, music theory to play those kind of sophisticated well, chords. Just, just have the fingers in the right places. Oh, that's, that's right. The, yeah, you know, you're right. Of course. Technical stuff. Yeah. Too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not just you know, it's basically knowing how to work the machine. You know. Um, right, putting your fingers in the right places. That's that's right. But what amuses me, you know, like we've had these two great female kind of ragtime or post-ragtime piano players. And I think it's no coincidence that they're women. Uh, the expectation seemed to be that people who played the piano were women, and that men who played the piano weren't really men. <laughs> Uh, which right. is why you know a, an enormous number of jazz piano players in Chicago in the twenties and early thirties were either gay or assumed, possibly wrongly, to be gay. Which is why Earl Hines was called Earl Father Hines, because everybody else was called Mother, because <laughs> they were assumed to be gay, and that is a fact. And they're oh, called mother because they're often like the leaders of bands. You yeah, think that exactly. had to do with it? Exactly. Earl Father Hines. Hmm. Yeah, and they, and they deliberately call him father because father was interested in girls. You know? <laughs> huh. hmm. And also he may, he may, may have had a sort of avuncular paternal <laughs> attitude to his hmm. musicians. Right. You know? It may be a tribute to his musicianly or leadership skills. What? Alex Hill, you think he was gay? He was. Was gay. Absolutely. Huh. Fats Waller seems like he. I think in the case of Fats, that's a pose. Hmm. Fats, many female conquests uh, are difficult to enumerate. Too difficult hmm. to dismiss. So, uh, I mean, if Fats was gay, well, he was, he was putting up a, a very good show of hmm. pretending. Pretending to be hetero. Yeah, if he yeah he would, sometimes he would sing in this gay voice. He'd put on this kind of sissy voice, but I think it was and a I put think on. it's a kind of a it's a kind of put on. I yeah. think it's a kind of a right. it's a way of his because he's satirical. His right. his whole act is satirical. The moment right. he opens his mouth, he's essentially satirizing stuff. Yeah, that's and right. That's right. I suspect that that's he just felt a lot of the world was silly. And he wished to point up that fact. <laughs> I think it's funny that uh, him, he, he's great on that uh, Jack Teargarden record. Uh, you Rascal You, where they do that, or that's what, uh, I, that's what I like about you. That's yeah. what I like about you, where yeah. it's obviously like the lyrics are supposed to be a man and a woman. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. and Fats Waller's doing like the, that's right, the woman yeah. part, but really yeah. funny, really funny. Yeah. <laughs> really and putting I, it on thick. I'd say that's all part of it. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> um, <coughs> but I mean, show, I, I, I'm sure in showbiz, then as now, you know, there's a a very obvious and distinct element of people who, you know, bat for the other side kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I I don't think it it was taken terribly seriously. You know, that that was not considered to be a big deal. 
in the way that these days, for some reason, it is considered to be a big deal. Yeah, huh? yeah, it's a funny thing about that. Well, let's switch to a male piano player and a black male piano player. Okay. On this record that's that's credited to the Jolly Jivers. Oh, yeah. That's actually Walter Rowland and some woman making comments and somebody tapping on some kind of percussion thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's... I forget what it's called. <clears throat> it's called Piano Stomp. All right. like that we're so used to the idea that the blues is a 12 bar thing and then he doesn't do it you know he adds a little couple of beats or uh, and that's happened so often not more in vocal blues but there it's interesting that it happens in purely instrumental thing there's no particular reason why he should extend something for a couple of beats longer than it should be because that's a kind of vocal mannerism. Yeah, but I, I don't think at this point the twelve bar blues had been like, like all these country guys just played it however long they wanted. Yeah, but usually there's a reason, and the reason is usually vocal. Right, that's true. Uh, and and it's but just, I mean he's following his own melody, so yeah, that's yeah. I mean, it's the same idea. You know? Yeah, I mean they just weren't they weren't. I mean that, that's something that really the drum dictated was mm-hmm. going to be. You know, four bars of this and two bars of this and twelve That's bars right. total. Yeah. Before the drum, it was really just kind of follow the melody. Even if you're making the the melody yourself. While it was playing, I said to Tony, "I said, well, that's obviously not a classically trained pianist. 
And Tony kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, yeah, but he's, he's been to church. <laughs> what do you mean by that exactly? Well, I mean, gets, let's get real here. I mean, the people who are musicians, <clears throat> they're not coming out of nowhere. Uh, if they're kind of middle class, maybe they've had the opportunity to have a teacher. But maybe he played in church. Otherwise, if he hasn't played in church, he's listened in church. Right. So he's going to get a basis of uh, church harmony. Right. Yeah. Um, That's probably right. And rhythm and stuff like that. Those kind of country guys, black guys at church. I would say that that's probably the, the, the most obvious influence. Yeah. Um, might not even be a kind of formal thing about their training, but it's in their ear, I would right. say. Yeah. And they, um, got, they got some woman organist or somebody, piano player that in the church that would show them how to play the piano. Maybe that, that's something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because uh, these guys don't. That's come how out of Fats nowhere. Waller started. Yeah, Fats Waller I mean, started in okay, church. Fat, Fats is, is more of an urban, sophisticated. Yeah, he is, musician but he started in church though. But yeah, but he's you know this is the, the Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem. This is yeah. the best. You know, this is the top, right. top black church in Harlem. Right, it's got a great organ and all sorts of things. So it's saying his father is a preacher and all that sort of thing. So. Uh, he is in a very, he is in a unique position in a way. He's uniquely privileged. Right. Uh, so so, I don't take him as typical. But no, somebody not. like what we've just heard uh, to Walter me. Walter Roland. Yeah. So I don't know his background, but I would imagine that he probably had came from a very typical Baptist background. Yeah. Which meant that he was probably exposed to church music yeah right. church harmony mm -hmm. organ possibly yeah yeah etc sure. i rest my case didn't he also play guitar walter roland yeah he did right when well, sonny scott he, walter yeah roland he records. sings sometimes too yeah he has his records under his own name too on the okay. arc label yeah that's right maybe we should listen to a fats waller organ record yeah what do you think about that yeah why not while we're talking about him should have been talking about him enough. Okay, That's here's Fats Waller playing Sugar in 1920. Oh, great. I don't have it. It's wonderful. You don't have it? Oh. No.
Amen to that, brother. Beautiful. I mean, the other thing is, it's, it's an organ is a very unswinging instrument. <laughs> yeah. And, and to make plays. the organ swing, it, you know, you, you have to really work at it. And, and yeah. Fats is extraordinary there. Yeah. He worked out some It really suits it. his playing and, and, and actually suits those kind of poppy tunes that you, because you're just not used to hearing them on organ, but there's something really beautiful about that. That yeah. kind of playing on an organ and those tunes, they, they come across different. You know? well, apparently he loved playing the organ. Apparently he really he did a lot it. of organ records. And he really wanted to, was dying to play that big church organ where those recordings were made. And yeah. When he said on, on a couple of occasions that the organ was his favorite instrument. That's right, yeah. Mm. Uh, which I can believe. And the other thing is that, you know, because, because of the, the close connection between gospel music and blues music, so, yeah. you know, liturgical black music, generally speaking, and the blues, it's, to me, so kind of logical that Fats plays the way he does because he's, he's, not, he's not just doing Harlem jazz stuff. He's also injecting a kind of uh, far more traditional bluesy gospel element into his playing when he's playing organ, which I can detect. Um, huh. Did you ever hear that record he made with a church group, Jace, Reverend J.C. Burnett? No, I did not. That's incredible. I'll just stand and wring my hands oh, yeah. and cry. I'll play that. I'll, play that. I'll put that on here. Is that a Victor? No, uh, it's a Columbia. Columbia, yeah. On the Columbia Race Series. It's incredible. Hmm. Great record. No, I never heard that. I guess they know for sure that it's Fats Waller. Uh, well, I, I would think so. It's probably on some studio file or something. And and you and he, if not, you can probably pick him up by his little quirks. He he, he kind of, you know he doesn't try anything too fancy. But usually there's a thumbprint, you know. Okay, this is yeah. It's called "I'll Just Stand and Wring My Hands and Cry" by Reverend J. C. Burnett, assisted by Sisters Granger and Jackson, with organ accompaniment that apparently is Fats Waller. And is this the way you feel when you go out to the Plas and some horrible music is playing? I feel that way a lot of the time. <laughs> uh, I feel so. the same way if I had a semi-automatic weapon supplied to me prior to going <laughs> on the Plas. Well, it's a good good thing that you don't. Yeah, probably. Hey. Subject of this song is the Christian trouble is ended. Thank you to help us to sing. I just stand and wring my hands in cry. We will just stand and wring my hands in cry. Cry it, oh Lord, have mercy on me. We will just stand and wring my hands in cry. I used to have some loving friends to walk in I am following Jesus to help clean me my soul. He just left me to his home, oh, yes. and he will not come down. Oh, yes. Hey, now just stand and wring my hands and cry. And I just stand and wring my hands and cry. And I just stand and wring my hands and cry.
glory. Old glory. That's a uh, that's a beautiful record there. Yeah, it's a great record. Great. Yeah, I, but whether that's fats or not, I, I really wouldn't be able to tell. It's not you enough. certainly can't tell from the plane, but it's just not. You know, it's. I mean, somebody who knows how to, you know, he's, he's rhythmic, he's good rhythmic, he's in there. But whether it's fats or not, I really couldn't say. Right. It could be one of those things somebody said because it was yeah, an organ player. Or it could yeah. be that that's the, you know, he, he knew how to play in different styles from growing up in yeah. church, too. You just can't I tell. mean, and often you get all sorts of things confuse you. Like when, when he's playing piano, um, you get things that people say, oh, that's, that's the same, you know, he's on this he's on this session yeah you listen to the session and yeah there's a great stride pianist player right and then you realize that what you're hearing is actually what you're really listening to is the piano it's the instrument right it's the same studio instrument as on the record that he's supposed to be playing on so you're not really comparing two piano players you're playing comparing the same instrument And, and oh. you know, okay, I mean, it's obvious in, in uh, how many in how many good pianos does a studio have to have? Mm. Yeah, you know? so you get something that James P. Johnson has played on, or some other piano player, mm. and they say, "Well, that's fast because he played on it at the last session." Well, uh, you have to be aware of that because. You're not listening to the piano player, you're listening to the instrument. Yeah. Look at this. And none for you. That's the best part. That's that's how you know a bitch is trained. Right there. I can't carry anymore. Plus it's diet ice cream. I don't know if these guys want it. Diet ice cream. Ice cream does such a thing It's sorbet with it's yogurt and fruit. Okay. But it's good. It took it took forever to get it. Now they're playing rolling on a river Rolling on the river. Really? Wow. That no, one. That'll make river. you stand and wring your hands and cry. <laughs> and they're playing Hey Joe before that. But <laughs> uh, yeah. this, she's talking about music they're playing here in, in town for the, yeah. the, the wine fit. tasting. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the one of the more recent discoveries, Hey Joe, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. People are really They are about 30, 40 years behind at least. Yeah, it's right? touching. They love it. It's touching. Yes, how quaint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how very touching. Okay, let's listen to Will Ezel. Um, yeah, I don't. I used to have a Will Ezel record. Mm. You did. And I decided it was not interesting enough, so I got rid of Zell? it. Huh. Oh, foolishly. You foolishly. fool! I didn't go back. No. A fool Will Ezel record are soon parted. Yeah, well, <laughs> He's eccentric. This record is particularly eccentric. What is this one? Called Heifer Dust. Now, doesn't oh, he have some this. kind of Canadian connection too? Does he? Will? I, I, I'm not sure. I, Huh. I'm confused, I know. You're confused. I know. There's a biography of him in that new uh, Alex Vandertuk book, I think. Oh, yes? Yeah. The, the new book of the blues, whatever it's, whatever it's called. I think he had some connection with Lucille Bogan. Yeah. yeah. Well, we know her. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got together at some point. She's a dirty bird. Well, she certainly was for three minutes on one record, but I mean, she was in the dirty area. She did shave them dry, right? Mm -hmm. That's That's Lucille Bogan, right? Maybe she shaved. I got titties as big as your thumbs. Maybe she shaved easel dry. (laughs) 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 That song is so dirty. This Heifer Dust is very odd, but I really like it. There's a very conventional version somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, she recorded it twice, yeah. yeah. And hers is the dirty one, is the best. And I suspect she was probably had a few few drinks before. Yeah, she laughs on the record. Yeah, she's giggling through the whole song. And, and I, I don't think there was any suggestion that it would ever be issued. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they're just having fun. You know. It was recorded the same well, it time wasn't as really the conventional issued. version. Recorded yeah, but session. I mean, you know, somebody says, let's do it again, let's, let's, let's fool around, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I'm sure at the time they, they, they assumed that it was just too completely absurd for anybody to even issue it yeah. or preserve it. Yeah. You know the crabs are walking out of his butthole like people? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> What's wrong with it's that? Actually, it's actually pretty, I mean, I don't know who wrote the stuff, but it's actually quite well written, you know? It's hilarious.
love that. What about Harry Snodgrass? Have we heard that before? Oh, God. Harry Snodgrass. You have to play the it. The genius of that piano. You're going to play along the and Miami Shore? Put some English on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I have good. many Snodgrass records. You do? Yes. That's With uh, the announcer from station KD, whatever it is. Well, it started it's probably that he, Snodgrass he was in himself. prison. For, well, I was, I'm aware was of that. For armed robbery or something like that. and, and uh, Yeah, I found so that, that article and photo of him from this small paper. This guy from a local radio station would bring him out of a prison to play on the radio. So finally when he got out of jail and he made these records, he had the same guy announcing beforehand. And that guy actually helped him get out of prison early. That's right. J.M. Whitten. Uh, do we know whether how he stuck up some banks afterwards or... <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> that would be funny. I believe he died young, didn't he? I don't know. I don't know. The, you sent me that newspaper article. Yeah, it, it, that was just about how he was released from prison because he was this big radio star. That's right, yeah. yeah. That's right. So it doesn't really say what happened. That's right. I love it. You know, you become a radio star, so that justifies you being released from prison. I mean, what's that got to do with I know, that? it seems odd, right? But It happened yeah. in those days. People yeah, were yeah, released yeah, from yeah. prison for their musicianships. Yeah, yeah. Lead belly that happened to him. I yeah. mean, the email. It's it's. But I mean, he was probably in jail, probably forcefully. Uh, anyway, I mean. No, he killed somebody. Well, he was always killing people. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so some other black guy got out of prison by for playing the guitar. Oh, it's a, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Hawkins, Buddy Boy Hawkins, oh, yeah, got, yeah, got yeah. out of yeah. going to jail by playing his guitar for the judge. I know Buddy Moss was in prison before he recorded, but I don't know if that helped him get out. There's a famous photo of him playing yeah. in prison. That's okay, That's here's, here's Harry Snodgrass's biography. It's a short biography here. Yeah, let's hear it. In June 1923, Snodgrass was sentenced to three years at the Missouri State Penitentiary in Jefferson City for assault and intention to rob a confectioner's shop in St. Louis. <laughs> After his piano playing skills were discovered, it was arranged for him to broadcast over the powerful local station WOS. His broadcasts were hugely popular, and on his early release from prison on January 16, 1925, station announcer J.M. Whitten became his manager and arranged a series of vaudeville tours, allegedly earning $1,000 per week. Snodgrass died in 1937, age 42. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> Alcohol religion, <laughs> etc. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, it's great. I love this stuff. I mean, it can't happen now. It's just, it's wonderful that it happened then. <laughs> you will hear along Miami shore, composed and played by Harry M. Snodgrass of W.O.S. fame. <laughs>
is a masterpiece. Beautiful. Holy yeah. snow drops. Jesus. Beautiful. Yeah. Unbelievable. Even Phil Chartier, you know. Yeah. Well, what, what do you think? You got one more for us? Well, it's just a matter of which one. Yeah. How about um, Sid Williams playing Nola? How about that? Well, that's pretty obscure. <laughs> yeah. Obscure. I know Sid. Sid's great. Oh. Well, do we know anything about Sid? All I know is that he was still giving piano lessons in the late 1990s. Well, where was Sid? Uh, somewhere in the Midwest, I think. Oh, okay. <clears throat> okay. The ever-popular Nola. All right, well, we're going to say goodbye to the people out there in uh, podcast land. So and Once again, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for doing it. Mr. Baldwin, thanks for uh, all your lovely commentary. Don't yes. go changing. Nope, I, I can't. All right, till next time. the audience so long for a while we love that's you. all the songs for a while we love you we love your audience thanks for tuning in to john's old-time radio show Ooh, that was nice. please join us next time where john will chastise you call you stupid and say fuck off thank you and good night well, that's I'm, great. I'm great i'm gonna use that in every Fun. show every show is gonna end that's with that a from now on. You